5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Card weekend coming up. Uh, we'll run through some picks for you, maybe. And uh, if time allows today, we got a big uh, hoops heavy and scandal heavy show. I say scandal because this is also the weekend where the Tiger Woods uh, expose documentary uh, that HBO has done is going to be uh, released, part one of two, uh, Sunday night on uh, Home Box Office. And we've got uh, Nikki Novak from Fandango. She's seen the thing, she's going to talk to us about it. Uh, we've got Pirate Basketball tomorrow. We'll hear from Joe Dooley in our Pirate Report in just moments away from a chat with Cy Seymour as ECU will host uh, South Florida tomorrow in Greenville. 12.30 airtime, 1 o'clock will be the uh, tip as the Pirates and the Bulls uh, renew hostilities inside of Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. You'll hear it here on 94.3 The Game and also on 107.9 WNCT. Uh, in just a moment, Cy Seymour, as we mentioned. Thanks for being with us here on this uh, Friday. It's great to have you on the PJ Show. Ben Byram across the way producing. I am the P-Man, and uh, Cy's on the phone. So let's get going uh, here right now as we look at ECU and USF. Silas, how are you? Good, Patrick. Hope you're doing well. Yes, I am. Uh, Pirates coming off what I think probably can be aptly described as uh, maybe the certainly the worst loss of the year. Uh, that was just a bad loss. It's a bad. I mean, you're, you'll tell me how good Tulane is, but that's a bad basketball team. <laughs> well, the, here here's the thing about Tulane. They have. The transfer talent, if they ever mesh, they could be very good. But for ECU the other night, uh, without Tristan Newton, and Patrick, you just can't turn it over 21 times against a matchup zone. You just can't do it. Yeah. And ECU was careless with the basketball, and you just can't do that, and still almost won the game. Uh, it, yeah, was it a bad night? Yeah, it sure was. But they were, they were, they're correctable things that you can get straight, but the, they can still be, uh, I can tell you this, uh, you go different routes, and it's, it's philosophical, do you get all transfers, which is what Tulane did last year, and then they load up again this year, or do you try to build it within? And, yeah. and Joe's more building it within, I, I like what he's doing, but the transfer that, that, that Tulane have, they are quality players. Well, and let me just say this, Cy, uh, it, it's tough when your last game played, is against the very next opponent in their building. It's awful, awful on the road. Yeah, awful. yeah, and that you're, you're, and that's tough. I mean, that, that I don't care who you are, that's tough. No, you're exactly right. That that, that is a very very difficult task. And, and and listen, don't get me wrong. I know Coach Dooley and his staff are spitting nails that they lost that ball game. But I looked at it and I thought, you know, there are a lot of things here that could have gone the right way. We just did. We didn't. When you turn it over that many, you're not going to win. Yeah. You're just not going to do it. So Cy, Cy, Cy Seymour's with us. Uh, Cy on the call tomorrow uh, on the network, 94.3 The Game, 107.9 WNCT. Airtime of uh, 12.30, 1 o'clock tip inside of Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum as uh, ECU. And USF 
will uh, play one another. It will be uh, the first matchup of the year between these uh, two. Both are coming off a uh, defeat. We'll talk a little more about this uh, USF team uh, coming up in uh, just a, a little bit. Uh, si, let's stick with the Pirates. Uh, I talked to Joe Dooley yesterday, and we, we talked about Farrakhan. We talked about Tremont Robinson-White. He's wanting those two in particular to be a little more aggressive. And it's just not looking for their offense. It's aggressive kind of getting the team going in the direction on offense and defense that it needs to go in. Uh, what are you seeing out of those two that maybe leads you to believe that, uh, you know, they can kind of fulfill that wish of, of Coach Dooley's? And I'll, I'll note this on the turnovers, and Coach noted this yesterday, just two turnovers between those two of all the turnovers they had down in New Orleans last weekend. Yeah, those two guys really uh, are, are playing pretty darn good. Defensively, Tremont has been very, uh, been good, uh, and Farrakhan's uh, learning to play. I think Tyree Jackson's played defensively well. So yeah. those three guys. But I think I think what you're looking for out of Tyree, uh, out of uh, Tremont, uh, Robinson White is you want him to shoot, take the open shot. He 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 can hit it. He can shoot it. He's a good player. And all he's got to do is, is is take the shots and get used to taking it. And that's one thing Joe Dooley has told him: don't get, give up a good shot. Farrakhan, on the other hand, will take it, and that's good. And I think he's going to get better and better if he stays out of you know foul trouble in a ball game, or turn, you know anything like that. But that kid's going to be a good one. Uh, but Tremont shows so much and, and can be very very good. But he's got to shoot the ball more and got to shoot it with confidence. He can go downhill on anybody and score. And he's got a lot of talent. He's just got to get some self-confidence and take shots because he can do it. Uh, and so I think that's where Joe Dooley's coming from. This kid could be – these kids could really help them this year. Um, Cy, we are, are so expecting Jaden Garner to be automatic 20-10. Uh, and 10. He uh, really struggles the other day. And I don't know if it was, you know, Tulane did some things to contribute to that, but he just kind of looked like he was, you know, out to lunch a little bit. I, I guess even someone as consistent and steady as Jaden's going to have a bad game. Yeah, that's true. And, and like, you said something that's exactly right. Tulane had just seen him. So they turn around. They know what to do this time. You know, that you, you, when you're getting in a regular stream of games, you don't have as much time to prepare they took a lot of time to make sure uh, in their in their matchup that Jaden Garner was always covered, and when he caught it, he was doubled and he had to get rid of it. So those are the things that occur uh, when you have so much time, and it's the next game on the schedule. You just turn around and look at the film, but uh, Jaden uh, can really make. He's got to be the difference maker right now. He's got to be the guy that when he gets it in there, he works hard like he's always done. And we expect so much out of him. We, ECU does. And so you've got to have him because if he's not getting it, you're going to struggle. And that's what happened with ECU. Uh, we're here uh, and uh, we're uh, talking to Cy Seymour, the Get You to the Weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. One of those weekend events will be uh, Pirate Basketball, 1 o'clock. It's a shame that uh, the fans can't get into the uh, venue in, in droves. Uh, as the Pirates host USF, this is one of those games where the home floor and the home crowd especially I think would be very very uh, helpful uh, Pirates have a, a tough week ahead of them USF and then a trip to Cincinnati midweek Temple coming in next Saturday uh, Temple's had some uh, COVID issues earlier in the year and then uh, just looking ahead over the next 10 11 days uh, then you've got a trip back down to South Florida so you'll see this team again in about a week and a half uh, Cy that stretch there and let's just for uh, haha's throw Memphis in uh, a couple weeks from Sunday or a week from Sunday. It's quite a stretch really coming up over the next uh, two-plus weeks for ECU basketball. It's the league. The league, People need to really understand this league is one of the best leagues in college basketball. They just are. And people need to understand that. I mean, look, last night, since I'm watching Cincinnati and SMU, I'm thinking SMU may be the second-best team in the league. You know, I, I'm thinking that. And then, you know, what happened? Cincinnati, who's over in the conference, goes down and beats, beats SMU at SMU and looked like a million dollars doing it. 
Tulsa has been on fire. They are, you know, they won the league last year, get no credit, and they should. Frank Hayes right now should be coach of the year for both years. And then you look up right now, and he, he's right up there tied for first mm-hmm. with Houston. Mm-hmm. He, and he's beaten Houston. And, and we, you know, and I, like you, we're going to talk about them at Memphis. And our ACC inbred thinks Johnny Dawkins is the great. Well, look where he is right now. <laughs> See, you know, you got to understand, these guys are doing really good jobs. And, and this team coming in, uh, Gregory's team, this team is really, really good. I mean, so and, I, I'm just looking through the rest of the – I mean, where's the night off? Yep. Uh, there's none. There's no night off Gosh. in the American. Yeah. None. And I think people uh, – just don't have an and understanding they don't understand of that. It. No, they sure yeah, don't. They have no understanding. And if you look at what they've done in the preseason, I mean, Johnny Dawkins, he beat Auburn. He beat, you know, he he, he won like three to four. He beat uh, several really good teams, and now he's like in ninth or tenth place. You know, our preseason stuff should help us with getting teams into the NCAA. Yeah, because we had a lot of nice wins early for our league, and, and people need to understand how good. This American Basketball League is. It's very good. Uh, well, USF uh, comes in having lost three out of four. Uh, they uh, did beat uh, Central Florida last Saturday. Uh, coming off a loss against Tulsa at home over uh, this past week on Wednesday. Ten-point uh, loss to uh, the Golden Hurricane. But this is a crowd that also uh, took Wichita State to overtime before losing and lost uh, by a single point at Memphis. So uh, they're going to be ready to go coming in here tomorrow. Low possessions, getting on the backboard. That seems to be the name of the game uh, when you look at uh, uh, those uh, next-gen stats but also uh, and efficiency numbers, but also just look at the raw numbers and just see them on film. Yeah. They They are physical, tough, and understand this. They have most of the starters back. In fact, they have them all back, mm-hmm. but they've added uh, uh, Caleb Murphy. They did lose Rideau, but Caleb Murphy is really turned into a six-four guard that can really play. Yeah, he is very good. Uh, Yetna, Collins, Collins, and Yetna are really good players. Cansonita is a good point guard. I yeah. mean, this team is really, really good. And Durant's inside seven feet long. This is a good basketball team, and you're right. And they have depth, so. And they're well coached. So make no bones. You said it right. You need a crowd in there, and you can't get a crowd in there (laughs) to beat this team. This is a very, very good South Florida ball club. Uh, And I think the biggest problem they're having right now is Yetna has yet to be Yetna after the injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a 6'9 guy that can step out and shoot the three ball. He can play defense. He can jump. And so far – you know, the other night he gets forward. David Collins doesn't do much the other night, and all the, you know, all of a sudden they get beat, and 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 it really was guard play that that got all the points. Alexis Yetna from France. The interesting thing about him, Cy, is you know coming off the injury, not playing particularly well yet. He's he's nearly a double double guy. their leading rebounder yeah. coming in. Yeah. Uh, the Murphy yeah. kid is interesting because you know here's a, a young freshman. 12 against Tulsa, but then he puts uh, pumps in 20 against Memphis the other night, I think it was. I mean, <laughs> again, yeah. th- you know, this isn't uh, – I mean, this this is this is solid bulk. I mean, they're going to ugly it up. This is this is going to – you've got to take care of the basketball, in my mind, tomorrow's side because this has as much to do with maximizing your possessions as any game you'll play. That's right. And, and, and I'll tell you, you're going to have to shoot the ball well. You're going to have to defend extremely well because – and like you said, I think Caleb Murphy is an X factor. He's a freshman. He can. The, the problem with him scoring so much, and I'm just this is a coach talking. All of a sudden, Yetna doesn't get the looks. Collins doesn't get the looks. Justin Brown doesn't get the look. Caleb Murphy is running it more on his own. I, I don't mean that in other. And Castaneda, they're running the show out there, and they're not distributing it as much. So there's a fine balance on distributing and taking too many shots. And I think what costs them against a good Tulsa team is the flow wasn't there. I mean, and so you got to be careful with young freshmen. And listen, he's a player, but he's just got to get balance for his other starters. Yeah. Uh, the great Cy Seymour, coach at uh, Craven Community all those uh, years, 
Cy is, uh, when you think basketball in uh, northeastern North Carolina, really eastern North Carolina, you, you got to think Cy Seymour for for my uh, for my money. You know, there's a lot of great players, but when you think coaching, i got to think you got to think you, Cy. So that's, well, I think I love the game. I, I, I did love coaching it, but I love the game so much. And I, I, last night, I, I mean, Cincinnati turned it on last night against, yes. against SMU. <laughs> I said, my goodness. You know, and, and SMU is well coached. Yeah. I mean, Jakovic is a great coach. Joe Dooley's a great coach. All these guys are great coaches. Yeah. just—it's too much talent. Everybody's got talent. Let me ask you a couple quick things here. Uh, besides Seymour with us, basketball tomorrow: Pirates and Bulls, Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum. The game tips at one. We have a twelve thirty airtime here on ninety four three. The game and one hundred seven point nine WNCT. So if you're anywhere. In that aforementioned uh, footprint of the eastern part of the state, you can hear uh, Cy alongside Jeff Charles and David Horn. Okay, uh, Cy, you've you've seen this league. You've watched, uh, you noted last night, SMU-Cincinnati. So, I mean, we, we keep up with it. We watch it. Uh, Talent-wise, you know, it seems like this year in particular, the teams that were older or at least had rosters that had experience fared well when we started. Does Joe Dooley's roster, is it set up to continue success and compete from a talent level in the American? In other words, can a school like ECU that is off to a really nice seven-win start sustain that, keep that going as they try to avoid losing back-to-back games for the first time this year? Can they keep that going with uh, everything that uh, they've got ahead of them? Or do you now see some of those teams that maybe didn't have the most experience on their rosters that weren't gelling early start now to get it together that we get in a regular flow? What wins out here? Well, I think... First of all, listen, and I really, I, this is believing it. What Joe do, Dooley does philosophically is how you're going to win. I'm just telling you, he gets after it. They play great defense. It's his, listen, right now, I know this is something big. His assist to field goals made is one of the top 10, 15 in the country. 60-some percent assist to his field goal. It is very team-oriented, very smart basketball. His defensive philosophy is very good. I mean, I think it's one of the best. They are intense. They go after it. I think what people fail to understand is he's really – the first year, he kept the talent he had. The second year, he brought in all new kids. Now, this third – and then you get COVID. So you aren't able to do the things with the kids you want on on their – on his third year. Mm-hmm. I look at his next year recruiting class as being selected. And very, the first year was shotgun. I've lost it. I've got to get something in here. But now it's selective and it's high quality coming in next year. So you cannot judge any. It, it takes a while to build a program. Will he win some games? Yes, sir. They're going to be, they're going to be in a, every game. They're going to play tough. But they, they need a, a couple more pieces of the puzzle. And he's telling you right. If he gets the pieces that work that's on his ball club, he can win this year. Uh, but they've got to start getting it. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Indianapolis, but we, we got to get going here, uh, time constraints okay. and what have you. But when I when I mentioned that, the tournament going to be played in Indianapolis and Indiana. But let's just go with keys to the game tomorrow. There's plenty of time to talk about that later sure, on. We'll so, get back on that. Yeah. Sure. So give me a, give me an idea of what the pirate keys to a win are tomorrow. I think I think you you, you gotta protect the basketball against a physical defense. You gotta out rebound them. And the guards have got to make shots. They've got to knock down shots, and you've got to have Jaden Garner uh, in the mix and very active. Those are the keys to this basketball game. And usually in games like this, you have to have a surprise guy. You have to have a guy that steps up and does something that he's up to three with four minutes to go. Baruch has been doing that all year. So you've got to have that, and then you've got to hope somebody doesn't go way off crazy good for the opposing team. It, it's going to be a good one, but don't turn it over. Yeah, you got to knock down shots. You got to have somebody step up, and then make sure you defend and don't get crazy things from somebody on the other side. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a rock fight. So you got to you got to be tough tomorrow. Tomorrow's kind of a toughness right. game in my mind too. Hey, uh, Cy, it's great to talk to you, and looking forward to hearing you back on the radio side tomorrow. Look forward to it, Patrick. Thanks for calling. We'll talk about the Indianapolis deal uh, next time out. Yeah, absolutely. Cy Seymour there. Always great to catch up with uh, young Silas tomorrow, 1230 airtime here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT. Flagship stations of the ECU Pirates. We will have uh, hoops action as the uh, 7-2 and two Pirates, 1-2 and two in the American, 
Six and zero at home this season. We'll uh, try to uh, avenge last weekend's loss. Get up off the mat, and uh, they will welcome in six and five, two and three in the American South Florida. Some of Joe Dooley's thoughts on the game uh, coming up. That is when we return here on this get you to the weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Our pirate report straight ahead. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day, you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Always find us online, uh, our brand new website, 943thegame.com, all the breaking news from around the Pirate Nation and uh, beyond. Plus, that's where you get the podcast for the PJ Show every day. Check it out there. Uh, Usually within a little bit of uh, the show being uh, complete, you can uh, check it out online, 943thegame.com. Podcast posted there, all your sports news and information. Also, uh, wherever you download your favorite podcasts, Google, Spotify, Apple, check us out there as well okay uh it is time for today's pirate report including some uh, breaking news from earlier this afternoon and now patrick johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ecu pirates 94.3 the game we'll get the comments from joe dooley in just a few moments ecu women's basketball having their game with wichita state which was originally set for sunday postponed due to COVID-19 related issues uh, within the Shockers, the Wheat Shockers program. Uh, ECU now back in action on the women's side, the 13th when they host UCF at Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Speaking of Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum, the side, uh, the site, I should say, of tomorrow's game, uh, ECU trying to get off uh, uh, get back, I should say, to winning ways as they host USF. South Florida comes in. Uh, we just talked to Cy Seymour a little bit about that. Now uh, some comments from Joe Dooley as the Pirates have not played since last weekend. A couple of days repair for South Florida and uh, had a couple of days of practice to, to try to iron some things out that we didn't do particularly well against Tulane. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we practice this morning. We'll go again tomorrow afternoon, finish up our preparation for South Florida. We played last night against Tulsa and uh, hopefully get our a little rhythm and, and get ready to play again. Tulane had the long break in between games from uh, the Tulane matchup before Christmas to the next Tulane matchup, and now a week between South Florida and Tulane. Joe Dooley asked how that's impacted his roster and his team. Well, I mean, I, I think like throughout the country, that we're, tr- we're all trying to get in the rhythm, which is not going to be easy in any regard. You know, everything isn't uh, like it's been, so um, it's a little bit unusual to not play. You know, you know, we play a game, have a week. Uh, it's not ideal, but it is what it is. So we try to get a little bit better, try to control what we can control, uh, and uh, you know, I think our guys will be excited to play on Saturday. Coach was asked, would uh, any players not be available tomorrow? We could have a couple. I mean, that's, we've got, you know, I think that's that's an ongoing deal. There's a couple of guys that are a little dinged up, so we'll see how that goes. And, uh, you know, but I think that's going to be like that all season. You're going to have to adjust. It's, you know, day-to-day uh, trying to figure out, and it, it's not necessarily just COVID. It's like things happen this time. You know, it's always ankle sprains and back problems. And uh, so now it's just trying to figure out who you're going to have and getting the guys that you have prepared to play. Joe Dooley asked to uh, evaluate South Florida. He watched their game Wednesday. Well, it was it was a, a real very low possession game. Uh, you know, it's it's unusual with the amount of points that Yetna and Brown were. You know, didn't have a big game. Castaneda's played very well. He shot as many shots as anybody. But uh, you, you do know what Yetna's capable of. You know what Collins is capable of. Brown has played well against us historically. And then you know the kid Murphy kid is a, is a terrific talent. He does some things from an athletic standpoint. Uh, you can't teach. Uh, explosive can create off the bounce. And I think Dara has been a very steady influence the whole season for them. The absence of uh, Tristan Newton, which uh, it appears 
We're getting some indications Tristan Newton may not be available tomorrow. As Coach Dooley mentioned, there are a couple of other Pirates uh, that are, are banged up, and they may be more game-time decisions. Hearing some word maybe on Noah Farrakhan, but uh, we will see. Those official announcements coming tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, without Tristan Newton in the lineup against Tulane and uh, Jaden Gardner not having his normal performance, Joe Dooley was asked uh, yesterday about how that impacted this Pirate team on the road last time out against Tulane. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, here's the way we're going to view the, the whole year, in my opinion. It, it's it's going to be a year of adjustments and adapting. And, uh, you know, you know, you could have a young man with the, you know, put on his COVID deal that he had a, a headache tonight. You're not going to have him today for practice until he gets tested and you get a negative test back. So you, what you do is you take the next guy on the list, you plug him into that spot, uh, try to get the guys that you have prepared, uh, have them making sure that they're having some fun with it, making sure that they're stay, safe. And uh, you're just going to have to adjust on the fly on a daily basis. And that's, I, I think all coaches have had to think about things this year that we probably never had to think about before. And it's hopefully will make us all better coaches. And then uh, Al Myatt with a follow-up to his own question about uh, Jaden Gardner needing to perform at the level the Pirates expect out of him. And uh, have they addressed getting Jaden Garden, uh, Gardner back going this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there's some there's a there's a number of facts. He just didn't have one of his games. We didn't get him the ball. Some they did a good job of taking it out, and uh, you know he he probably had four or six other points. I mean, there was actually two turnovers that uh, you know when you're watching or you know as a casual fan is watching, you you're yelling at the guards. When in all honesty, it was our big guys, and, and you know a couple of them, one or two of them involved him where he just didn't move to go get a ball. Uh, had a layup on a play from Noah that you know just didn't catch what he usually catches. He's not going to be perfect, and uh, we've been lucky that the, the, those games have been few and far between, as we all know, and uh, it was a bad time for us. You know, he wasn't in rhythm. We weren't in rhythm, and, um, you know, some of that obviously is attributed to Tulane. Some of it was also attributed to our own ineptness. And then uh, Coach was asked about the 21 turnovers the Pirates committed uh, somewhat uncharacteristically last time out against the Green Wave. I saw some things that we hadn't seen all year, and either did you guys. And I, I do think with some of our offensive rhythm, um, you know, when you really look at it, <clears throat> the guys that touched the ball the most didn't turn it over. And that, that being our point guards played 38 minutes and, and combined for two turnovers, uh, you know, with, with Noah and Tremont. Um, you know, the predominant amount of turnovers came up front from our, you know, frontline guys. And it was some pass and catch things. It was, uh, you, you know, the – just simple little things of meeting a pass. I mean, we threw the ball behind people. Even when guys were open, we threw it at their knee. And that's a, a concentration and a, and a you know, that, that's the biggest thing. We can all pass and catch. And when you throw a bad pass, it's a reflection. If you're not ready to play or we're a little sloppy. And, and I, I did think by the time we got in some type of rhythm, it was almost too late. And then next thing you know, you're, you're down one. And, you know, James hits a big throw. That was a tough, you know, that was a big play. It will be a low-possession game tomorrow, more than likely, against South Florida. And uh, Joe Dooley expecting a uh, physical, tough, low-possession, grinded-out matchup uh, against the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, it's the, 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 when you look at their adjusted pace, it's a low-possession game. Um, you, know, I, you know, we would obviously like to push it. Now, they can play fast. Murphy and Collins are terrific in transition. Those guys are both, you know, one-man fast breaks. Uh, Collins, you know, draws a lot of fouls. Murphy's about as explosive as they get. And my guess is after, you know, a rough day yesterday, you know, Yetna and Brown and those guys will be ready and, and, and amped up to play on Saturday afternoon. Coach Dooley asked about the keys to a pirate win tomorrow. Well, I think one thing is, is going to be, you know, the possession is going to begin when the ball is shot, especially on our defensive end because they're a very good offensive rebound team. They rebound a very high percentage of their misses. We need to clean up the backboard. We, we do need to make sure that we, we – uh, you know, we take care of the ball, get a shot every time down the court. And then I would like to see this play a little bit a little bit faster. Now, against Tulane, it's different because of the matchup zone and, uh, you know, with South Florida because of the amount of possessions. But I would like us to see us play a little bit faster offensively. All right, we're just doing these in the order of the questions as they were asked, folks. Uh, Coach Dooley asked about Jaden Gardner and what makes him such a special player. Uh, he's just got a knack. I mean, I think there's certain things that you can coach and certain things that you can't. Uh, he's got He's got a feel. Uh, for how to score, he, you know, he's, to tell you the truth, he's got a very awkward game. I mean, when you watch, um, it's not like he's a freak athlete. He, he just has a knack of, you know, he catches you off guard. He's a little awkward shooting off a wrong foot every once in a while. Uh, every once in a while, he'll catch it and shoot it before you even get a chance to go get it. Uh, and he does have a knack for drawing fouls, which we need him to get to the free throw line a little bit more. 
With the extra year of eligibility, uh, Coach Dooley asked to comment on that as far as uh, seniors on his roster and a possibility of a return next year. Uh, Coach Dooley answering that question in the Zoom press conference. Uh, yeah, we've had some general conversations and just, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing is uh, I've had, you know, initial discussions with some of these guys. I, I'm trying not to overwhelm these guys with too much right now. I think there's a lot of you know, put more on their plate and, and those type of deals, I think will confuse them even further. So we've had some preliminary ones. We probably won't start, you know, trying to get a definitive answer till probably early February, just from his numbers count. So we can, um, and, and the flip side of that deal is, I, you know, I don't think any of us as coaches want to have 16 or 17 guys either. I don't think that makes for a good, um, you know, for a good program, especially with the one-time transfer coming in. I mean, you start, you know, you bring in some freshmen and then, they don't play and they can transfer. I think that doesn't set a good tone. And, uh, you know, I, I do think we'll, we'll, we'll pare it down and probably hope to have 30, you know, 13, 14 guys and, 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 and our walk-ons and sort of keep it in that, that ballpark. That's today's Pirate Report. Uh, thanks to Coach Dooley uh, for being with us. Ben Byram now with an update on everything going on in the world of sports. And then uh, Nikki Novak, Tiger Woods, the HBO documentary. She's seen both Part 1, which airs this Sunday night, and Part 2, which airs the following Sunday. And uh, we will talk with her about that on the other side following Ben's update. Ben Byram here for your 94th through the game sports update. Power women's basketball set for tomorrow at Wichita State. It's officially been postponed due to COVID-related issues within the Wheat Shockers program. Information about possible rescheduling of the game has yet to be determined. ECU women's will return to action next Wednesday as they host UCF at 6 o'clock. Tonight is loaded with high school hoops. We start with the independent slate as 4-3 Parrot Academy is traveling to 4-2 Rocky Mount Academy. 4-9 Greenville Christian Academy hosts 2-6 Dash United. And 4-4 four and four JP2 takes on 4-5 and five Wayne Christian in Goldsboro. In the public school slate locally, Kinston tips off their season at home against 0-1 South Lenore. The Washington Pan Pack open their season on the road against 0-1 North Lenore. North Pitt looks to move to 2-0 as they match up against 0-1 Havelock. And we got a rivalry matchup as highly touted Farmville Central tips off their season at home against 1-0 Green Central. In college hoops, we have a few games tipping off tonight at 6. App State hosts Georgia Southern. The Mountaineers are favored by two points with the over-under at 131.5. 23rd-ranked Michigan State battles Purdue. The Purdue Boilermakers are the six-point underdogs with the over-under at 141.5. And wrapping up at 9, Davidson takes on Dayton. The Davidson Wildcats are favored by seven points with the over-under at 127.5. From college football, great news for the college football national championship game as both Alabama and Ohio State are currently traveling down to Miami. Both teams seem to be a full go for a Monday kickoff despite COVID issues within the Buckeyes program. Speaking of Miami, Miami backup quarterback Nikosi Perry has officially entered the transfer portal. And a little news for the American Conference, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter has announced his intent to stay with the Bearcats for another season. From the NFL, ahead of the first round of the playoffs, Saints running back Alvin Kamara has joined practice remotely at their positive COVID test. His status for their matchup against the Bears is still uncertain. The Buffalo Bills' two leading receivers in Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley are questionable for their matchup against the Colts. The AP released this year's All-Pro team with Travis Kelsey and Aaron Donald both getting unanimous selections. No players from the Panthers, the Washington football team, or the Cowboys made the first or second team. And we have some insight on the rumors with Deshaun Watson reporting Poorly won and out of Houston. Apparently, Watson is really upset about the organization not consulting him about who to hire for GM. The team reportedly ignored Watson's request to interview Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for the vacant head coach position. And wrapping it up with some more unfortunate news from Major League Baseball, Hall of Fame manager and Dodgers great Tommy Lasorda has passed away from heart failure at the age of 93. Lasorda was a two-time world champion as a manager for the Dodgers and a lifelong ambassador for the sport of baseball. If you're 94th of the game, Sports Update. I'm Ben Byram. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. Oh, the drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. The first Get You to the Weekend edition of uh, 2021. Nikki Novak. 
Hello. First appearance in 2021, Nikki Novak from Fandango. Oh, it is. Happy That's New a very Year. Good point. Yeah. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good. So, Nikki Novak, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we've got something to talk about here that uh, I'm not oh, saying we normally would not. You, the uh, the level of Nikki's sports contributions to the show is her friendship with Marshawn Lynch, and she used to go to the Super Bowl and, and host events there. But if we're talking anything else related to sports, and we're not sticking to sports in this segment, I'm not going to lie to you folks. Nikki Novak, yeah, probably not going to be our go-to. But we go to Nikki because we are well-rounded. We want to talk about movies. We want to talk about <laughs> streaming television shows and series and specials. By the way, we got through Cobra Kai in like, we probably could have gotten through it in a day, but we got through Cobra Kai in about uh, over, over, yeah, over three days uh, Wait, over the on. holiday weekend. We got, we got, and here's what we thought. I thought there were 12 episodes. So after the 10th okay. episode, oh. I was geared up and ready to go. I'm thinking, here we go. <laughs> this thing's going to end on a big league high note, these final two episodes. Right. And you're like, look what happened in episode 10. What's going to happen in right. 11? <laughs> but there are only 10 episodes. So guess what, Nikki? So you dug it? Yes, there what? was no episode 11, thus no episode 12. Thus, we have to wait till they re-release a uh, new suit, which my wife was telling me this week. Uh, they've decided to do two more seasons, at least, of Cobra Kai. So I'm all for it. Yeah, that. and I wouldn't be surprised if they filmed them both at the same time. Yeah. It would just make sense. It would really make sense for them to do that. I and mean, people really have a demand for it right now, and it's been so successful for them. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's just such a fun, you know, and there's so many great references, like throwbacks and everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. It's really fun. So, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. I'm glad you watched something. <laughs> Uh, you know, I watched the two uh, manhunt things, the uh, yeah, the Unabomber and the uh, Olympic yes. bomber, and I watched those. I mean, it was mixed, okay. it, uneven, but that's fine. Uh, I am going to watch Sunday night, following all the football mm. this weekend, HBO, Home Box Office Network, because uh, Tigger, Tigger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger is the name of the uh, of this documentary, and it's it's a two part deal this week. Sunday night will be part one, part two will air the following Sunday, and I'm very stoked about this. Now, here's where I am going to shock and awe, surprise you here, okay? Are you ready? Uh-huh. You think that I don't know about sports, which is fabulous, because I actually grew up playing and watching sports because my family was very into it. My brother trained for the Olympics in track and field um, before he got injured, and then, you know, but this is in Canada, mind you. But, you know, we were really into sports, but golf? is my thing. You have no idea what a big golf fan I am. Okay. And I did a, I right. did a, a Michelob light commercial with Sergio Garcia. What? Like, yeah, like 15 years ago, I did a com uh, commercial with him. He and I are buddies. Like, I have been on the, I've gone to tournaments. I've met Tiger. I like, like, I know about the golf world. So the fact that we get to talk about two of my favorite things all in one, you have no idea how excited well, I am. I and am. How excited I was to watch this documentary. I am such a, <laughs> I am such a golf nerd. I listen to it on radio when I have a working car <laughs> yeah, that can that get, <laughs> when it can get me from point A to point B when my car is actually working. And I'm driving somewhere, and there's a tournament on. I'll listen to it. Now, when I'm not in my car, that doesn't work. You know, I might watch. And my wife complains all the time. Why are we watching this? But I, if it's not football season, nothing better than winding down the weekend with a little golf on Sunday. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All oh, right. oh, I find it so relaxing. Yes. I have so much fun. Yes. I used to play. Now, I mean, I haven't in the last year, but. You know, going to the driving range is my thing because I really don't have any accuracy, but I love to crack that ball. It's such a tension release. Like, it's just so good. So, <laughs> and you is... know what's really funny? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I was once in Hawaii with a bunch of couples, and the guys were out on this, you know, big lawn in Hawaii, like, hitting balls. And I walked up, and they were all like, I, I like, pretended I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, oh, how do you hit it? And what do you do? And they're all like, and I'm like, I bet I can get this thing off the ground my first swing. And they were making bets and the whole thing. And I just cracked one, like, down the center. Wow. <laughs> and then I just dropped the club and walked away. Wow. And they were like, oh, my God, it completely faked them out. <laughs> More applause. But this isn't about me. This is about Tiger. <laughs> More applause for Dickie Novak. Uh, the this is not about me. This no. is about Tiger Woods. Nikki Novak, Nikki Novak <laughs> often, often considered 
the Tiger Woods of uh, of uh, <laughs> film critics f- from from the standpoint that she is the best. All right, Nikki Novak with us from Fandango. Okay, so this really gets into uh, Tiger Woods, who has had this famously guarded persona, which. Uh, was blown wide open with the deal with his wife and that Thanksgiving Day weekend yes. many moons ago. So this is this the whole thing stem to stern? Yeah, but you know what? It really is his childhood up until the right. 2019 Masters win. That's really what it gets down to. Okay. It, it really spans his whole life. And what I really liked about this, it is broken into two parts. So the first one airs this Sunday night on HBO. It's a ha- about an ha- hour and a half each. And then the next one will be next Sunday night. Um, listen, I haven't watched anything and been so riveted in a very long time because what it does is it puts everything into context. It gives you behind the scenes, um, you know, video and that that you've never seen before. But, you know, it's really interesting when you, and I know there's been stuff about him before sort of talking about his life, but when you really see it put together, the way that they did it, and look, it's HBO, they're brilliant in what they do, and it's such a well-made documentary. It puts, like, the first half is really more about his childhood, his relationship with his dad. And I know we've all heard about it, but it really shed new light for me on what that must have been like for him. And in the context of all, and then the second half gets more into the affairs and how his life kind of fell apart, the DUI, and, and then sort of, like, the, the rising up and, and him fighting to, you know, get back in the game. So it really spans the whole thing and puts everything to such brilliant context mm. that look as a female watching, you know, when that whole thing went down, I was one of those females that was like, Oh my gosh, what a jerk, the whole thing. And I really understood it in such a different way. Not that I agree with it or disagree with it, but I just understood it. And Oh, it, it is a, brilliant documentary i mean even for people who aren't you know golf fans or or into or think they've seen it all with tiger woods and think they know the story mm -hmm. this this sheds a much different light so i assume earl woods who is his uh infamous father that relationship is also explored from what i understand quite uh quite in depth in this uh two-part series which uh is about tiger woods it airs on hbo beginning sunday night very much so. And I think, you know, you've always kind of heard about his dad and little anecdotes about things he said or did. There were things that I actually didn't know about. Um, I didn't really know so much about the Navy SEALs training that Tiger went into. I don't know if you're, like, really aware of that. The fact that he was taught by his father to hypnotize himself, that I didn't know. Um, I mean, I knew that his dad had taught him to, you know, be really mentally tough and tried to distract him every shot he made on the course. But, like, it really does give you a glimpse into more into his dad in that relationship, the good and the bad. And it does, what they do is they, they show you both sides. And what I found myself doing when I was watching it is going, Oh yeah. Oh my God. He was a jerk. And then, Oh no, I get it. And it really does. Um, it's like a yo-yo you go back and forth um, because it presents, it presents a very even picture of what goes on. That said, there's some things, you know, they interview his child, his high school sweetheart. They interview his former caddy. They've interviewed, you know, a lot of people that, you know, you could say, well, you know, these people that may, might have something negative to say about him, but they, but they interview them in a very, hit them in a very fair way. They don't slant it one way or another, which yeah. sometimes documentaries do. Okay. Uh, it's the two part Tiger Woods documentary coming to HBO nine o'clock, uh, on Sunday night, first 90 minutes, uh, will premiere then. Uh, and, and I think important to note, we interviewed uh, Armin Katayan. He co-authored kind of the big expose on, on Tiger, uh, a book that came out, a biography, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I think we also may have talked to his co-author. I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, point is, we had that. Uh, but Tiger really, he declined invitations to participate in this. So I think that's what right. you're seeing out of Tiger in this is more – people, I guess, that know him or have been around him or have uh, reported sure. on him and any Tiger Woods, I don't know what you would, I guess, any Tiger Woods video it comes from him doing interviews in the past. Is that an, an accurate That's, way to put that? That is correct. He yeah. does not participate in, in the actual, but they do uncover, they uncover some things like videos and that that I hadn't seen before, but they do, 
Um, and then what they do, what they do a really good job of as well. It's not just the personal life. They really bring you and the, the highlight reel is fantastic. His best moments in golf, you know, the best shots he made, the most notorious ones, but they put it together in such a amazing way. And like you said, even though he didn't participate in it, you know, they really, they didn't try to villainize him. They didn't try to make him into a saint. They just tried to tell the story. And even though he doesn't tell his own story, I feel like I've never seen his story told more from her, from his perspective or what, you know, mm-hmm. where you could sort of sit in his seat and mm-hmm. feel kind of the pressure and what he might have, the pressure he might have been under. And even for people who might say, well, please, he makes all that money and you, what he signed up for. You know, you, you sort of, you get a glimpse into how he was trained from the time he was a young kid by his dad and, and how you, it, it, it's a much more empathetic view of, of what a person in the spotlight goes through than I've often seen. So okay. just can't even tell you. Well, I didn't even blink, blink watching yeah, stuff. And you've, watched both, and you've watched both parts of it, right, already? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they so both have a bit. very different feel. I'll okay. say that. Right. Um, they One one has one feel and one has another, mm-hmm. um, but tells the whole story. But, right. yeah, well, we'll, really, really well, we'll talk more about it maybe next week uh, after I watch cool. part one. So, all right. Yeah, um, yeah, well, that'll be Sunday night. I'll have to wait till then. All right. Uh, we've got Nikki Novak, Fandango, with us here. Uh, let's uh, work in real quickly uh, a movie that is uh, out starring uh, the enchanting Hillary Swank. She's Academy <laughs> Award winner, for crying out loud. Is it called Fatal? Is that what it's called? Well, Fatal. Fatal. You say I'm tomato, s- I so tomato. Well, well look, they have an E on the end, so I think it's supposed oh, to be Fatal. Fatal. It's like a, a fancy version And listen fatal, to me. Yeah, listen to me, country <laughs> hicking it up. Fatal. Sorry. Fatal. Yeah. Vital. All right, so Fatal. Uh, it has Hillary Swank, and the lead actor is a guy who is like a bit actor who's been in, um, like you know, television series and all that. A guy named Michael Ely, who I always think ought to be a a villain. Uh, but anyway, yeah. lay out the premise. But he's a good guy in this. All right, premise and uh, what it's about. Well, well, is he or isn't he? Um, so he plays this guy. He's you know he's. He's a big time agent in LA, but he's not having the best marriage. And he goes on a business trip to Vegas. And ah. You know what happens in Vegas? Usually stays in Vegas, and ah. he has this one night stand with a woman. And he's kind of, you know, he's suspicious that his wife might be cheating on him. Not that it justifies it, but anyway, he comes back to LA, and there's a home invasion. His home is broken into. Yet the person doesn't take anything and tries to kill him. And so uh, the detective and the police show up, and lo and behold. Hillary Swank is not only the woman he had the affair with, but he's she's the lead detective on the case. So uh, what the heck? Is yeah. this a coincidence or is it not? And then it becomes very fatal attraction-esque, but you're sort of led down this path of, wait, is Hillary Swank on his side? Or is she not on his side? There's a lot of twists and turns. It's one of those that you're going to be shouting at your TV. You're going to be like, don't do it. Don't go in there. <laughs> you know, um, look, I will say this. It came out in theaters a couple of weeks ago. You can get it now on Fandango, now on Vudu, um, basically on video on demand. But when it came out in theaters a couple of weeks ago, it really divided the critics. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes score is 44%. Mm. Guess what the audience score is? Higher. <laughs> Double. Exactly really? double, eighty-eight percent. Oh. Yeah, eighty-eight. So this is one of those that look. People like these sort of people like these sort of like Fatal Attraction. There was a movie with Beyonce in it a few years ago that was somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. people love these these. All right, so that's uh, Fatal. Um, I don't fatal. think Fatal. Uh, and I'll say this: uh, Elvin from the Cosby Show has a cameo in this. As well, this is yes. this was this is part of his comeback in his career. So this is part of his big comeback. Yeah, so he is he's got a a, a small role in this. Right. And, and uh, Nikki, Nikki, there are only there are no small roles, only small actors. As I said, do you? Remember? I know yes. you said that to me yeah. earlier, and I'm, I said I'm the queen of the one liners. So I should know. Yeah, you one, you, you've one lined me a couple times during this uh, this uh, interview. All right, uh, or this visit. It's not an interview. It's a visit. Whenever it's two old friends. Okay, Nikki Novak, Fandango. <laughs> Uh, check out the Tiger Woods documentary. We'll talk more about that next week. That's Sunday night on HBO. Uh, Nikki, thanks a lot, and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Back to wrap it up next. 
Every Monday during the NFL season, get the latest on the Carolina Panthers as Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network joins the P-Man. Bring on the good stuff, universe. This and every Monday right here on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station for the ECU Pirates. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Tommy Lasorda dying at the age of 93, uh, something we can get into a little bit more next week. Loaded show today. Thanks to Cy Seymour and Nikki Novak, Tiger Woods. Uh, documentary on HBO, Nikki telling us about that uh, Sunday night, 9 o'clock. You can also uh, hear Cy Seymour tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT. ECU and USF, it is a 12.30 airtime, 1 o'clock uh, tip-off between the Pirates and the Bulls from Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum as ECU will uh, try to avenge their loss from last week. Okay, a quick uh, wild card round uh, picks from uh, yours truly. Going to go, let's see here, Colts, Bills, uh, Buffalo about a six and a half point favorite. Uh, yeah, I like that. In fact, I would, th- would kind of like Buffalo maybe by more than that, so I would take the Bills. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, Seattle's a three and a half to four point favorite depending on... Uh, where you're going there. Uh, I actually like the Rams in that one straight up and to, uh, to cover. So uh, there's that. Uh, this is all for your entertainment purposes only. Saturday night, Bucks and uh, the Washington football team. Uh, the uh, Bucks are the eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. And uh, I think uh, you should be all over that one. I think Tampa Bay actually wins that one, in my opinion, by double digits. Uh, Sunday, the early game is uh, Baltimore, Tennessee. Uh, Titans are a, a three-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, I, I like uh, potential. I, I'm going to go with Tennessee here. That's kind of going against everybody's conventional wisdom. Uh, and I think Baltimore is a tough t- – I just I don't know if Baltimore can score with this Tennessee team. Over-under on that is it's 55. It's the highest of the day. In fact, it's the highest of the weekend. Uh, but I'm going to go Titans there in uh, both uh, the odds – or I guess the odds maker update or upset. And then uh, – Saints are a 10-point favorite against uh, Chicago. Uh, I think that'll be right on the money. And then uh, Pittsburgh-Cleveland on uh, Sunday night. Steelers a six-point favorite at home. Uh, And I like the Steelers there. I think actually it'll be by at least a touchdown, if not more. So do with that what you want. Just my, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Again, big thanks to uh, our great uh, friend, Cy Seymour and Nikki Novak. Uh, Among those joining us Monday to preview the national championship game, Sean Brace. So looking forward to that. We'll uh, join you on the Patrick Johnson Show coming your way uh, on uh, Monday, Pirate Basketball tomorrow. Thanks to Ben Byram as well, and have a great weekend.